With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the icon of vacations. Icon of the seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothband back in the chair. One big, huge, massive game to look back on. Uh, one Champions League quarter-final second leg and an FA Cup final to look forward to. A massive, massive few days that might justify Manchester City's season. So we need the strongest possible lineup on the show this week. But sadly, they were not available. Um, instead, we've been left with a very poor replacements. But it's the best we could do. Welcome to Steve Cox. Hi, Steve. Hello. Welcome to John Stapleton. Hi, John. Hi, fella. How are you doing? I'm good. And welcome also to Stuart Brodkin. Hi, Stuart. Hi there. Listen, let, let's start. Let us start with Liverpool. Arguably the two best teams, what, in the world? And did they not produce a fabulous, fabulous contest, John? Great game, wasn't it? Fantastic game. Uh, alongside the game against QPR when we won the league, you know, after all those years, uh, for tension at least, I thought it was amazing, actually. Interesting how many writers this morning are saying it was like a sort of heavyweight boxing contest, you know, two two teams slugging it out to the to the very end. Yeah. Tension right at the very last minute with Mares miss. We won't forget that one in a long time, will we? Mm. Uh, but also, um, you know, I have to say these are two fantastic teams, as you rightly say. Certainly, the best two teams in in the Premier League, uh, arguably the best two teams in Europe, ergo the best two teams in the world, and we have the privilege of watching them in a. Fantastic contest, uh, very frustrating from our point of view because, in my view, it should have been all over at half time, but it wasn't. Uh, and but for ten minutes lapse by City in the, the start of the second half, I think we would have been home and dry. But we're not, and so for the neutrals at least, it's still a fascinating contest. Yeah, and and Pep did say, didn't he, um, Steve, that that he felt we probably let them off the hook, and and I guess before the game, a lot of City fans were saying, look, probably a, a, a draw would do us. But having watched that game and seeing us probably being the better side on the day, that now we're kind of a bit disappointed it wasn't the three points. We created an awful lot of chances that really should have been put away. Um, I think, yet again, we kind of lacked that striking instinct in the box. There were quite a few cutbacks that were just missed because people were arriving at the wrong time or not at all. 
That said, I thought we played brilliantly to create all those opportunities against what normally is quite a cast-iron defence. I think Liverpool looked like they were on the ropes for long periods of, of that game. And and to be fair, I was surprised they actually got up to carry on. Um, that said, they were quite clinical with the opportunities that they got. I still think that we probably suffered again because the referee was a little bit lenient on some of the fouls that were being done in the middle of the park. Thiago potentially could have got a second yellow card and walked for it, but I think the ref let them off the hook a bit. That said, I was really pleased with it. I was less nervous for this game than I have been in the past, purely because our record against Liverpool seems to have improved somewhat in the last few years, so I'm less worried about losing it. That said... I would have taken a draw before the game kicked off, to be fair, just to keep us in front of them in, in the title race. And were you disappointed as well, Stuart, at the end that that wasn't three points rather than just one? And in fact, thinking about it over the two games against them, to come away with just two yeah. points, um, you thought probably we could have done better than that. Absolutely, yeah. I think in both games we were the better side, not by miles, but we were the better side in both games. Um Yesterday, I think it's a bit unfair to, to pillory uh, Mares for missing that chance. I think Sterling missed one after three minutes and then missed another one. Jesus missed a chance. Uh, uh, there were a few more opportunities where we could have like sewn it up a lot earlier than the last minute. Uh, also, the offside goal or goal that wasn't. Uh, I think in a little bit of a way, both teams cancelled each other out to a certain extent, but you know, Liverpool's defence, like you say, is rock solid. We, they've conceded one goal in their previous five games. They conceded two yesterday. Could have conceded five with a bit of luck on our part. But yeah, I think any time you're 2-1 up and you end up 2-2 two, two, two and you should have won, you feel a little bit disappointed as you walk away. But I think everybody would have taken a point beforehand, but we were looking for three and should have got to them. When you heard the team, John, um, I, I guess probably most of the team picked itself, and there's always that front three. Um, surprised to see Jesus in there ahead of Mares, but I guess we've got the point. We've got these big games coming up. He's got to do a bit of rotation. Were you what first game since January? I think for for Jesus. Yes, I was slightly surprised. I thought he'd be on the bench, but I have to say, I thought he acquitted himself brilliantly. I thought he was uh, played a superb game, and I did have a discussion with my son on the train home. You know, have we given, uh, you know, everyone keeps saying, oh, we need a new centre forward. Well, we've got one, haven't we, in, in, in Jesus or Jesus, whichever you prefer. Uh, and we'd had the discussion uh, with the two of us uh, about, you know, if we'd given him a longer run, do you think he would have scored more goals? Do you think he'd have been given uh, a great, greater credit for the role he's been asked to perform? Uh, but anyway, yesterday, and that's a debate, but yesterday I thought he played absolutely brilliantly. And uh, Kevin De Bruyne was probably our star man, but... Uh, Jesus, Jesus was was not too far. Let's just call him Gabby, shall we? Uh, was not too far. Was not too far behind. I mean, great goal he took, and he as ever. He's, I mean, he's always a fantastic worker, isn't he? I mean, he's, you can rely on him to be you know defending in the penalty area next minute in, in the opposite penalty box, uh, creating a chance or even scoring one. I, I if you, and if you look at his goals ratio against games played, particularly bearing in mind a lot of the games he's played, he's only come on as sub. It's a pretty impressive record. And I think I think he's a, a great, huge asset to Manchester City. So, yes, surprised to see him in the in the in the first eleven uh, at the beginning, but certainly no regrets about it from my point of view. And I wonder whether it's that work rate um, that that kind of, as well as the rotation that we we all understand. I wonder, Steve, whether it was that rotation. Uh, he was fresh. He was obviously up for it. Took his goal brilliantly, I thought as well. He had a lot of work to do there. He timed his run perfectly and still had plenty to do to to get it over the keeper. 
Yeah, he. I, I mean, he. I think it's down to the work rate. It's down to the fact that he does add that energy up front. I think we needed that fast, high pressing against Liverpool to actually make some indentations into him. I was pleased with the way he took his goal. Fantastic. The one thing that disappointed me is he actually did fire a couple of shots in when actually the pass across the box would have probably been more, you know, beneficial to the team. De Bruyne was free on two occasions and was actually stood there waiting for the ball to come over. And I think mm-hmm. Jesus just hesitated and then fired into the side netting. So it's a little bit disappointing for that. So I don't think he's the um, instinctive striker that perhaps we're looking for. Although I take John's point on that. He is a striker. He does play for us and he does play well when he plays. That said, he's not really an instinctive striker. I think had we had a fit Aguero available to us, you know, I think we would have probably won by five or six goals because he would have actually feasted on some of those opportunities that we were creating. That said, you know, it was a really good game. I thought Jesus acquitted himself well. I'm so surprised that none of the City players actually made it into Garth Crooks' team of the week on the BBC website, given the fact that I think his excuse for not putting De Bruyne in was something along the lines of because De Bruyne's goal was the deflection. That's the reason he didn't put him in the team of the week. Yeah. So um, why would you I, pick I, defenders then? Yeah, I think I think we'll, we'll we'll move on from that. I suspect he he probably had a Sunday off. He'd picked it already by Saturday night. Went to bed and had already posted it. I suspect is no, more the, the reason. No, Liverpool he... players in there. Oh, were there? Oh, well, shows yes, how much Van Dyke, who had, who had a, a mayor of a game, in my opinion. But Interesting. Yeah, well, it shows how much uh, notice I take of uh, Garth Crooks' team of the week. Um, Stuart, I'm more interested in Stuart Brodkin's team of the week. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne, Stuart, I know was in your team of the week. Um, he's yeah, just yeah, we, we say this. Team of the century. I think he's he's probably the best midfielder we've ever seen. Uh, Oof, John, 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 best midfielder we've ever seen. Oh, yeah, than, so. Not far off. He's, he, he must be in top two. Ah, he's gone from the best. He's, he's already gone from the best to the top okay. two within one challenge. I said we've ever seen. Uh, I think he's the best. I think he's the best. I, I'll stick by that. But I've, you know, he's, like like you say, his work rate, Jesus's work rate. I must take it and. Um, Exception to the comments about Jesus, um, he's not, in my opinion, he's not a striker. He's a guy that comes in off the right or wherever. He works exceptionally hard. He's not a, he's not a predator. He's not a natural. I know he scored a great goal yesterday, but he's not a natural uh, predator. And, um, you know, that's why they're looking to sign a striker. I don't, I don't think Jesus is a striker. I really, really don't. I think he works exceptionally hard. He's got great skill on the ball. The, the turn he did on down by the touchline uh, in the first half was amazing. He, he didn't quite get away with it, but um, yeah, I think that's the case. We need we need a Haaland, we need a an Alvarez, or we've already got, and or we need someone else in that role. And like a lot of the balls were crossed into their sort of penalty area, very low. And like I think um, John said, um, no one was on the end of them, you know, because they're not in the right position, you know, a natural predator, a natural striker like a Kane or a Haaland would, would have got to one or two of those. And that would have been game over, you know. Can, can I just mention one or two others then, Stuart? Um, yes. Bernard, Bernardo Silva. I mean, yeah. what what a game he had. Just did not stop running from, from beginning, beginning. I think he's still running, actually. I don't think he, he, he in stopped the first minute, In the first minute of the game, he's clearing the ball from on our penalty line, you know, the, uh, just outside the penalty area. That's how much energy he puts into every game. And that free kick he took so so quickly as well, and just yeah. just the just yeah. he was up. You could just see he was so up for it, just to have yeah. the vision to right. realise we're going to take yeah. this quickly. And obviously it ended in the first goal. 
Absolutely, he's 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 a, he's great natural. Uh, he's a thinker, you know, and we've got a few very intelligent players in that team. Cancelo had a, a, a lovely run as well, didn't he? At, at one point, Steve as well, which just uh, <laughs> was was ma- magical, wasn't it? It, it? it made Salah foul him in the end. I think there was no way Salah was going to get to the ball, and I think he just pulled him back. And he, he, I think even he acknowledged when um, you know he was lifting Cancelo off the ground that he was he was beaten by that one. I thought Cancelo had a great game actually. He, he showed everything that we like about him. Um, he doesn't actually play left back but he defends better than most other left backs, to be perfectly honest with you. He's always in the right place at the right time, but more often spotted somewhere in the final third. John, I always hesitate before I do this, but I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't. So, so we've uh, the famous VAR then. So, so we had a, an offside goal, um, not given. You know, was it, well, well, it starts off with that. We had a couple of, I think Steve's already made the point, hasn't he, in terms of a couple of decisions that could well have ended in red cards as well that weren't looked at and a a goal from Foden, which didn't look like a foul. So we have to probably just touch on the refereeing and VAR. So do you want to kick us off on this? I know you're not a conspiracy theory at all. You're always very, very balanced in your view. So so how how are you today? Uh, well, I'm bearing in mind the reputation has a, the referee has a certain reputation in Manchester, but I won't go into it for fear of libel actions. But uh, it, overall, I thought he was pretty fair, and the VAR decision was a VAR decision. It wasn't it wasn't his decision. It was. I mean, how poor old Sterling must have felt about that, particularly bearing him casting our minds back to that one was disallowed against uh, Tottenham. You know, by a similar margin, a toenail. This was a shoulder, I think, wasn't it? You know, how a shoulder interferes with play. I, I, I'm I, I'm a loss to explain. But that was the decision given. Uh, like you, I was right alongside the alleged foul, in line with the alleged foul. I didn't see any foul there at, at all. And the finish from Foden was fantastic. So I think we were unlucky. And I think, um, you know, when I said that Stuart a bit by saying, you know, that we won't forget the Mara's miss, we won't forget it because it was the end of the game, you know, it was, it was yeah. one that could have settled it. But he's, he's, Stuart's absolutely right. There were several other misses, Sterling in, in, in particular, my... My view that if Sterling has time to think about it, he's, he's almost certainly going to miss if he acts instinctively. He'll score. Was born out again yesterday, I think. You know, but again, he's been he's a great player. And we, we, we're lucky to have him. We were, we were unlucky in, in many regards, um, and the refereeing, I thought, overall wasn't bad at all. To be absolutely honest with you, uh, but uh, and at the end of the day, a result's a result. We can't just get on with it. You know. I mean, Steve, you're normally pretty balanced as well. In, ten, in, in terms of shoulders, I mean, you can score with your shoulder, particularly if you call Mario Balotelli, of course, John, just to remind you. And so that's, how, that's how important shoulders are, just, just to remind you on that. Uh, Steve, your, your thoughts on the refereeing, VAR, um, offside yeah, I don't, goals? I don't, I, don't think he was, I don't think he was too bad, to be honest with you. And, I, and like John, I agree, he, he, he didn't have an awful game. But there were some decisions where you... you, you, you believe that perhaps he could have been a bit less lenient with them and I think he gave people a little bit too much leeway it's not exactly like a derby people weren't flying into challenges all over the place and generally the game was played in a good spirit between both sides however there were some challenges that were very very close to the knuckle and you know maybe he'd been under the instructions not to spoil the um, spectacle too much because actually either side being down to 10 men wouldn't have been ideal from a spectacle perspective that said you know 
VAR is VAR. It's a binary decision. I'm of the belief that I prefer the days when actually you had to see clear daylight between the two players. If, if they're kind of almost level, I actually don't see the issue with it. However, it is a VAR decision that says, you know, his shoulder was slightly ahead of the last Liverpool player. I understand and I get that, to be fair. So, Stu, I know you're a huge fan of VAR, of course. Yeah, so you're going I, love it. I absolutely adore it. I think it's a waste of space, personally, but there you go. Um, uh, the one incident they didn't... Sh- um, I was at the game, and I, they didn't show the incident in the first half when uh, their keeper took out Jesus. I don't know. It looked like he sort of blocked him off. Um, what Jesus is always diving, as we know, and uh, falling over, but I, I'm not sure that wasn't a penalty. It wasn't, wasn't, I looked at it last night when I came... Uh, this morning, rather, when I came home, and... I don't know, I couldn't say, but they didn't re-show it on Sky during the game, apparently. Uh, The incident with Thiago was very unusual because they reckoned that Rodri had pushed him into De Bruyne Therefore, it wasn't uh, you know reckless or dangerous challenge. So it's not it's not a yellow or, or a straight red. So I don't know. He didn't. He had his hand on his shoulder, Rodri, for a split second, and then let him go. And at that point, he he fouled De Bruyne, and then they got a free kick for it for the foul by Rodri, which is hard to believe. But yeah, um, decisions didn't go our way. The, the sort of you know borderline ones with a with a VAR with a with with a Jesus possible penalty. But you know, as you say, we've got to take the result and, and kick on. You know. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to now mention, Steve, a, a player's name and give you three descriptions. And I'd like to choose which one, please, would describe him. And I think you'll probably know what I'm referring to once I mention this. So the, the goalkeeper, Edison, is he super cool, mad, or a genius? All three. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, I think it, yeah, you look at that incident, and I couldn't make my mind up after three reviews of it as to whether he deliberately made it look like he was kicking the floor to pull the player in and then deal with it, whether he actually kicked the floor quite by accident because he's lost his footing a bit, or whether he was just having one of those mad moments. I really do not know. I mean, none of us could have got away with what he did. He did react quickly enough to stop the ball from going over the line. So I can only think that he did it intentionally, trying to draw the player in and then uh, give him a, a full sense of security and then make him look silly. Uh, John, super cool, mad, or a genius, or all three? I think he's mad. Uh, I, I, I think he's wonderful. And he gives me the willies every time. That was one of a whole n- a number of incidents where I thought, oh, for God's sake, for God's sake, Edison, you know, my heart was in my mouth. And it always is with him, you know. Yeah, he's a good goal. He's a very good goal. Great goalkeeper, I, I confess. But the risks he, take, he takes, I mean, just unbelievable. Yeah, I, th- I think he's... Just slightly, ever so slightly. I'm sure he's a lovely man, but it's just slightly deranged, frankly. <laughs> so mad it is, Stu. You're going with mad as well, then, are you? I, I'd say he's a mad genius. Most geniuses are mad anyway. You look at Mozart and other people like that. Uh, I, th- I think he... he Am I on the wrong podcast here, Mozart? Is there a music one, is it, coming up? I think so. Yeah. Um, he showed absolutely no emotion when he miskicked it and then re- regained the ball. None at all. Not an, uh, you know, most people have had some sort of grimace on their face at that point but he didn't he just you know my job i'm doing my job here he is he is crazy but most goalkeepers are crazy anyway but he's he's an absolute you know um genius when it comes to kicking the ball out that's all i can say uh, we've talked under advisement mr bokin if you call all goalkeepers slightly mad 
I'll tell you what, as an ex-goalkeeper myself. I'm sorry. <laughs> Go on, John. I just, I say, I, apart from anything else, I thought his kicking was slightly awry yesterday, actually. You know, he's, he, mm. he's capable of the most incredible passes from, from, from the goal, mark, goal, yeah. goal kicks. And yesterday, he was all over the place, actually. Gave the ball away time and time again. Could well, he have been at fault at the second goal as well, maybe? Was he, well, did he get I, down a bit slow? That's what I was, uh, in the distant... <laughs> Far reaches of my, what I laughingly call the brain, was I was trying to remember. Yeah, that that incident in particular. Yeah, absolutely. Could have done. Um, just one other thing before we move on, and we've talked about the challenges and the possible sendings off and so on. Was it a bit too pally for you as well? Some people have sort of said in the, you know, on social media, we had kind of the the love in between the two managers hug, hugging each other during the game at the end of the game, and De Bruyne and and Van Dyke having a cuddle at the end, and a bit too pally. Would would you not like to see it a bit more feisty than this, Stuart, or on all this palliness going on, all these hugs going on, a bit too friendly for you? I think so, yeah, possibly. In the old days, that wouldn't have happened, would it? But um, Van Dijk and De Bruyne's children go to the same school, apparently. They're big mates, uh, the, the two of them. So I don't know, not the children, the parents. I don't know. Um, I don't think Roy Keane or those guys would, would approve of any palliness during a, a derby or a very important game like this. But I don't know. I, you don't want to pe- see people taken out and, you know, hacked down like uh, Harland was uh, Against United, remember that. I do. Father's father, not not um, the current. In, indeed. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't. I think there was. Uh, there was enough energy on that field to say that they weren't. They weren't pally pally. I think it was a great game. It would have been a greater game if we'd have won it three two. But maybe. I mean, there is a fine line, isn't it, John? You want it to be played in a in a good spirit, of course. Uh, but some were arguing that it was a bit too pally. Where, where do you sit on that? Were you? Are you happy well, with them? To- Maybe I've lived in the soft underbelly of the South for far too long. Maybe I've become an old softy like a lot of other people, like my neighbours. But I certainly don't subscribe to the Roy Keane school of thinking or playing on, on this. I, I like the game to be conducted in a, in a generally speaking, civilised way. And I have no problem whatsoever with players congratulating each other at the end, commiserating with, with each other at the end. The managers shaking hands before and after with a smile on their face and a big hug in the case of Pep with the, the clock yesterday. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm all for that, frankly. I think it takes a bit of the... Uh, hopefully it leads it as an example to others who are responsible for what the nastier side of our game from time to time. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. Steve, uh, ex-goalkeeper, you you're used to hug a centre-forward at the end of every game, I'm sure, didn't you? A hug. I'm not sure about a hug, but um, I think I, I'm into respect, and I think they were very respectful to each other at, at the end of the game. I don't think that there was anything to suggest there was a lack of spirit during the game. Both teams played it with a bit of uh, vigour. So I, I couldn't see that during the game. After the game, I'm all for that. I come from a rugby background, despite being a goalkeeper. I was also a rugby player. And at the, you know, whatever, whether we were knocking seven bells out of each other during the game or not, at the end of the game, it was all in a gentlemanly spirit. And I think that's the way it should be with football, to be fair. Um, no, I think it was great. I, I, I like the fact that Klopp and Guardiola actually admire each other because there's something to be admired about both of those teams, to be perfectly honest with you. You know, whatever I, my feelings about Liverpool fans, that some of them are a bit on the, how can we say it, um, fanatical front, very fanatical front. Um, but the reality of it is, you know, I respect what Klopp's actually done for them. He's a decent manager and he's put together a very good team that, you know, under other managers wouldn't have achieved what they've actually achieved. So I think the fact that there's respect between the two teams and the managers at the end, I think it's a good sign. 
Um, our good friend Stuart Brodkin on Twitter, John, has, and it will come on to kind of the, the cup games, has asked the question of the panel uh, on this week's show. We, we've got seven games to go in, in the league and potentially, what, six cup games as well, I suppose. Uh, are we nervous or are we just delighted to be in this position? Both. Um, both. I'm delighted to be in this position and, and nervous, yeah. I don't know whether we're going to win the league or not. Uh, we could slip up. I mean, we know we've lost to Palace, haven't we? We've lost to teams that on paper at least are in, inferior to us. Lost at home to Palace. Uh, drop points uh, against uh, Southampton as well. Yeah, uh, so who knows? Are Liverpool capable of dropping points? Yes, I suppose they are, but it's it's going to be very, very tight indeed. I think I, I think at, at best we'll win the league by by the position we're in now by one point. Uh, semi, Cup semi-final will come to in a minute, but Yes, I'm, I'm, I, am, I am nervous uh, de- and delighted as well. You can't complain, can you? You know, we're in the Champions League. Uh, we're in, we're top, of the, top of the Premiership. We're in the Champions League and we're still in the FA Cup. Uh, and it's not even Easter yet. So, you know, it's, it's a good season by anybody's standards. I mean, just to remind our seven listeners, Liverpool have got Stretford, Everton, Newcastle, Spurs, Aston Villa, Southampton and Wolves. And City have got Wolves, Brighton, Watford, Leeds, Newcastle. West Ham and Aston Villa. Now, as we know, football is played on paper. Um, and if that was the case, then it certainly looks, Stuart, as though that's an easier run in for City than Liverpool and maybe gives us a slight advantage, or is it just not as straightforward as that? I think it is, we have a slightly easier run in, not by much. We've got a few teams there that are safe or will be safe when we play them, so that's that's useful, to be honest. Um, Liverpool Spurs could be a key game, I think. Uh, they're, they're probably one of the only two teams in that eight, seven, sorry, seven games left that could beat them. Um, don't know what the other one. And they've got Everson, haven't they, to play Everson? Yep. Yeah, that's right. That, I mean, you know, people say Derby form goes out of a window on the on the day, so I don't know. Spurs, I'm going to be a Spurs fan for 90 minutes anyway during that game when they play Liverpool. That's the we, first. we have got slightly, slightly easier, but not by a massive margin. Steve, thoughts on that running in the league? I think we've got a slightly easier run in than Liverpool. I do agree on that front. Um, but that, that said, I don't, I'm not counting my chickens before they've hatched, to yeah. be honest with you. I'd rather be in our position than theirs. Um, unlike Stuart, I could never actually be a Spurs fan for 90 minutes. I've, 90 not forgiven minutes. Them. I've not forgiven them for the 1981 Cup final. I'll never forgive them for the 1981 Cup final. The fact that their goals are remembered way above Steve McKenzie, who had scored a fantastic volley in that. Um, so, no. <laughs> that said, I would like Spurs. I, I do fancy Spurs to perhaps get a result against Liverpool and potentially even Stratford, even though Stratford aren't playing that well, they do sometimes pull the odd result out of the bag against a team that's quite fancied. So there, there, there's some opportunities there. We need to keep ourselves, we need to We need to win every game. I mean, that's the upshot of it, isn't it, between now and the end of the season. If we win every game, then we win the championship. And your comment about Spurs and the cup final always reminds me of my dad, who to this very day hates Newcastle United. Um, if you don't know your history, um, think about the 1950s and, and ask your granddad, he'll tell you. Um, but he hates ask Newcastle. Me. Say again, John? Or ask me. Yeah, or, or ask John, exactly, indeed. Um, but it was okay the, It was okay the year later, of course, and uh, we'll remember that as well. But no, hates whoever Newcastle are playing, he wants them to lose every single time. Hates them with a passion, just like you, Steve, and your Spurs story. For the same reason, isn't it a marvellous game that we all enjoy? Listen, let's look forward. Let's look forward, and, and what a few days coming up. So just as we finish that epic battle at the Etihad, um, we've got Atletico Madrid. 
um, away on Wednesday. Just that single goal, that slender advantage, um, and they're going to be uh, they're going to be a tough nut to crack, aren't they, Stuart? I think, aren't they? They're, they're thinking about so that six of the six across the back. They've obviously yeah. got to try and score a goal at least one, but they they, they're a tough nut to crack, aren't they? They are. They are a decent side. Um, they're out of the title race in Spain, uh, so you know that's that's a help to them possibly. I don't know. Uh, they've been fined five thousand euros for their behaviour at the Etihad, and they've also been told to close off five thousand seats for um, the game on Wednesday night. So, is it Wednesday night or Tuesday night? Wednesday. Wednesday. Wednesday night. Yeah. So they've got five thousand empty seats, which probably not make a lot of difference. So anyway. if if you turned up on Tuesday night, there'd be a lot more empty seats on the Tuesday night. Loads. <laughs> loads. As many as you like, mate. Take all. Take both your mates with you. I think, I think, and I'm going, you know, maybe off, off beat here. I think it will be an easier game for us than it was at the Etihad because they have to score a goal. They have to at least put a few players at the park, which they didn't. They had a couple maybe occasionally. They had 10, 10 defenders, or five and five. So, yeah, I think, we, I think we're going to win 2 0. Okay. All right, John. It, it, Stuart makes a good point. I mean, they they can't sit back with with nine men behind the ball this time. They've got to they've got to score at least one, haven't they? Well, they have, but you know they can also they're going to do to us what Spurs do to us on a regular basis. I soak up all the pressure for for ninety minutes, for eighty five minutes rather, have two two uh, breaks basically and score one if not two goals. So yeah, and they're a tough tough team in every sense. I mean, the way they went for Greenish at the end of the game at uh, the Etihad was. It's graceful, quite frankly, but they are they are capable of that. They're capable. They'll, they'll be roughing it up as well, you know. Uh, and it, it, it's a tough battle in, in every sense of the word. I think I'm not quite so confident as Stuart about this. I, I must confess, <laughs> but at least we have a goal advantage, you know. And we and we have. Let's not forget one of the best teams in Europe, if not the world. So uh, think positive. Uh, thinking positive, Steve. Feeling good about this one. Very positive. I want us to crack out the smiling assassin and let Fernandinho have a crack and rough them up a little bit because I think they will absolutely explode if you give them a bit of the same treatment that they give us. And he's one of the best that we have for doing that kind of thing. Does it very quietly, very confidently and with a smile on his face. And I think he gets away with a lot more. So um, I suspect if we were to rough them up a bit, they'd end up getting a player sent off before long. Um, I, I still fancy we can do a job. I agree, like John, it's not going to be a, a stroll in the park. That said, they do have to come out at some point in that game and, and actually them coming out will open themselves up. They did towards the end of the game at the Etihad, didn't they? They left themselves a little bit open at times. So I do think that there's some cracks in their in their armoury. Being one goal up is, is a great position to be in to take for the second leg. Um, but we just need to make sure we keep them out and get something ourselves. And knowing what's coming at the weekend, of course, you've mentioned Fernandino, Steve. Where else did you think Mares is going to get a chance with him being rested at the weekend and only sort of coming on late on? Or what do you see, sort of the tactics, and how do you see us lining up? What are your thoughts ahead of that game? I think we only really play one way. To be fair, we 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 always play with an attacking intention, and I don't see us doing anything other than that. Really, it's just a case of what personnel we've got on on the pitch. I do believe that Mares sort of stands a good chance of opening them up, and he does that very very well. So I, I can understand why he would be played in that game, and not so much at the weekend. He just gives us. He's not a fast player, but he's a crafty player, and I think he gives you that opportunity. So. No, I think we'll have a pretty similar team to what we had in, in, in the first leg, with the exception of Mara's playing out wide out on the right for the whole game, I reckon. 
Do you like to see, do you like to see Grealish starting, John? Would you just to kind of get sort of keeping them entertained and 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 keeping that fun aspect going? Are we still talking about Madrid? Or are we now on to Liverpool semi-final? No, we're, we're still in Madrid. We're still in Madrid, and and yeah. Well, it actually makes not a lot not a lot of difference to my answer. I'm not a Grealish fan thus far, apart from the game against Manchester United. I don't think he's uh, earned his keep, frankly. Uh, and having said that, my son keeps, I keep quoting my son, but he's, he's a keen observer and a great fan. He keeps saying to me, yeah, but do you remember Cancelo when Cancelo started? You know, And he cites other examples of people who've taken a season or so to, to settle down. So maybe I'm being a little unfair and a little unkind towards Grealish, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't put him in the starting lineup for either of those games, frankly. Okay. Stuart, where do you sit on the uh, on the Grealish argument? Um, I think he does need time to settle in. He was a hero. He was the one player at Villa that was a real star. He's now had a team of 14 or 15 stars. So uh, it will take time. I think, like you say with Cantelo, the first season I would have, I would have said get rid of him, you know, and a lot of people are, are a bit upset and a bit disillusioned with Grealish, but I still think he's a great talent. I think he will come good under Pep. I'd, I'd like to see him start, actually, at, uh, in Madrid, and I'd like to see Mahrez start for, for sure. I think he comes alive in the, in the Champions League, Mahrez. He, he, he looks as if he's determined to win it. He can't win it on his own, obviously, but I, I would start him 100%. And I, I'd start Grealish as well. I'd, I'd get straight into them and, and get him get them all excited and, and ruffle them up, um, and I think he's capable of doing that. If he can keep his head, and I think if they've had a good enough chat with him before he goes out there, I think, uh, think he's could be uh, quite an asset in that game. They are, John, um, to be continued at some other point. Yeah. Listen, you, you take us to the, uh, the to Wembley then, John, again. <laughs> again. Etihad South, Liverpool again. Oh, my word. Could it be as good a game as it was at the weekend? Surely not. Uh, I don't think it'll be as good a game. It'd be hard to match that, I must confess. My suspicion is this will go to extra time and penalties as it normally does against Liverpool. In the, in, well, in the League Cup final, doesn't it? FA Cup semi-final could be no different. <laughs> They are two very, very finely balanced teams, two teams of virtually equal strength. And as uh, Cop's been saying today, you know, Liverpool have got to be perfect to beat us, which is great news. And City have got to be perfect to, to beat them. Uh, I think it'd be tough. Uh, I forecast exclusively for you, Nigel, I forecast City winning on penalties yet again. I made, I'm making a note now, John. We shall, uh, we shall come back and, uh, and let you know how you get on. Steve, are you uh, as confident? Yes, I am. Um, but like John, I think it will definitely go more than uh, 90 minutes um, just because the seams are so close and it was hard to separate them at the weekend. And I think it'll be an equally tough game. Um, I think City may possibly just shade it in, in extra time. I think we've just got a little bit more um, in the tank than they have, perhaps. Um, but that said, I'm not as worried. I'd, if someone said to me, would you rather get further in the Champions League and forego the FA Cup, I would say I would forgo the FA Cup to progress in the Champions League. So for me, the Champions League and the league are actually a much higher goal than the, the FA Cup. You fancy all three, don't you, Stu? Well, I do, but I totally agree with Stephen that, um, you know, I, I, if I was to give up one of them, I'd give up the FA Cup. I, I don't see how the teams can sort of raise their games again, you know, in such a short space of time. It's, it might not be as an exciting game on Saturday. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's a tough one to forecast, actually, so I'm, I'm not going to. 
So that's fine. And, I, and apologies if I've already asked you, if you've been on the show when I've asked this question, but just because I can, I've been asking my guests to come up with a number. And again, I apologise in advance if you've already played this game with me. Uh, but your answer is either zero, one, two, or 3. So I think you can probably guess what the question's going to be. And this is not what you want, because I know your heart says you want 3, of course. But in terms of Manchester City season, when we have our end-of-season party, what are we looking back on? What do we think we're going to be winning in terms of trophies. Is it zero, one, two, or three? Um, Stuart, you give us a number first, please. CL and PL, two. Two. John Stapleton. Premier League and the FA Cup. Two. Still missing out on the Champions League. The monkey on our back. Steve Cox. Going for two as well. Very good. I'm not going to tell you which two, but two. <laughs> to be continued, I'm sure. We'll 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 get you back um on the show. Um listen, um huge disappointment that I wasn't able to get the A team, but these three haven't done too bad, I suppose, in the as 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 sort of poor replacements. But they've done okay. So thanks to them. Okay. Thanks to Steve Cox, to John Stapleton and to Stuart Brodkin. This is Nigel Rothband saying thanks for listening and we'll talk to you all very soon. If you'd like to advertise on or sponsor this show, contact us at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.